Welcome to the Gaggle Podcast, where we bring you inside the newsroom to talk Arizona politics beyond what's in print. I'm Yvonne Winget Sanchez, a reporter at the Arizona Republic and azcentral.com. Joining me this week at the Arizona Republic's main newsroom in downtown Phoenix are... Richard Rellis, also a reporter for the Arizona Republic and AZ Central. I'm Kayla White. I am also a reporter. And Ron Hansen, I cover the congressional delegation. This week on The Gaggle, federal authorities face the daunting job of trying to ensure the 2018 midterm elections are not influenced in any way, shape, or form by foreigners. Facebook has said it's detected coordinated activity around social issues on the social media site. It has shut down various suspicious accounts. Twitter has purged what it described as inactive spam accounts. And recently, there have been reports of disturbing meddling by Russians. The Daily Beast reported that one of the Senate's most vulnerable Democrats on the, vo- on the ballot this year, Claire McCaskill of Missouri, was targeted by Russian hackers. The efforts failed. Ron, we know, based off of a lot of your reporting and conversations uh, with experts in this arena, that um, Russian military intelligence officers did try to influence the elections in 2016. Can you kind of take us through those efforts and where things stand now? So this is something that I think is continuing to evolve as we understand more about how the Russians did this. But one thing that we already know is that there were a number of ads that appeared on Facebook in 2016 starting often with benign subjects and then delving more into uh, partisan-charged subjects. Uh, We also have seen that tweets involving people like John McCain were um, being pushed by Russian trolls. And we've also seen um, uh, a fair amount of this activity continuing. And we also have sort of another uh, parallel uh, sort of phenomenon happening where the campaigns are being linked to accounts that are suspicious in terms of what kind of information they're pushing out. And it may not be nefarious and, and uh, dabbling as, as much in fake news, if, if we can use that term, but it is sort of creating an echo chamber and, and trying to steer a conversation in a certain direction that we're seeing from various candidates. So these are two very different things. We have meddling on the one hand by uh, folks who hope to do harm to our country's democracy. And on the other hand, we might have just very overzealous candidates who want to boast of their large Twitter followings. Um, Richard, you ran into this with Governor Doug Ducey's campaign. They have said they had nothing to do with the so-called bots that um, were tweeting very positive news um, about the governor as he seeks his reelection. How did you come upon these, I guess, fake accounts, and who's behind them? Were you ever able to determine it? We don't know who was behind them, and most of them are all gone now, so we may never know uh, who was behind them. Uh, these accounts started following reporters uh, who report on Arizona politics, and some of those reporters started looking at their new followers and found their feeds strange because pretty much the only thing they ever tweeted about was how great the governor was and doing a lot of retweets of of gubernatorial pronouncements and and articles that mentioned Ducey, uh, very little else. And some people, actually one of the earliest ones was Hank Stevenson down in Tucson, uh, who started doing uh, research on these bots to see who they really were 
And when I started looking through them, I used a Google reverse image search to find that some of these uh, photos that supposedly were uh, Ducey supporters in Arizona ended up being like an Irish folk singer or <laughs> people, you know, a, a guy who works in a London university. And they have obviously had no idea. There was an actress in L.A. who, oddly enough, is moving to Clarkdale. So she's the only one who could be in Arizona yeah. who might vote in the election. But other than that, it just seemed very random. And we don't know why this occurred. And again, the campaign said they had nothing to do with it. And maybe it was just someone who wanted to get the Ducey echo chamber message a, a, a louder megaphone. Kayla, you are the social media <laughs> expert in oh, this newsroom. <laughs> we always uh, seek her expert advice on Snapchats and Twitter and Facebook and various other social media platforms when we are stumped, which we often are. Can you give voters a sense of, you know, maybe some key markers or some things that they should be watching out for as they're trying to sift through all this information on social media? Yeah, absolutely. So like you said, there's a few different arenas we're talking about. If you're talking about an individual who follows you or who's asking you to do something, like Richard said, personal favorite is the reverse image search. Uh, if you see that their image came from somewhere else, that's probably not the person you're actually talking to. Um, that in combination with other factors, such as if they have poor grammar or the misuse the words A and the, um, if their username has random letters and numbers in it, you know, that can be an indicator. Um, and also, it sounds so obvious, but just Google their name. Um, see if maybe they've been involved in something else. Obviously, that's hard if they're going with a John Smith type name, but... Is there anything about, like, the intent of the message or anything about the messages that people should watch out for? Because, like, for example, with the Ducey bots um, and Kelly Ward, uh, she has, uh, she's a U.S. Senate candidate, obviously, and she has followers who clearly, I mean, you could, I could just look at them and I, you know, they look right. just, they just look fishy, right? And the messaging is just like super suspicious. It's and like super too on brand. It's like way super on brand and they have like mm -hmm. hundreds of thousands of followers, but they live in, you know, Maine, <laughs> but some, for some whatever reason, they're they are like really hardcore, <laughs> right. like Kelly Ward fans. Um, so can you give us a sense of like thematically, what are the themes that, maybe some of these fake accounts or accounts that are trying to influence people's perceptions? Like, what are they, what are they trying to do? I think they're always, one of the big identifiers is they're always trying to capitalize on the trending topic of the moment. They always have a really, really strong opinion about whatever's going on right now, um, whether that's a shooting or an election or, and they seem to be highly, highly involved in every single one of these topics, even though, you know, they're not a journalist or they're not a prominent personality here. So I think that that's one sign that that person might be interested. You know, it's something that we can do some kind of forensic analysis on this and say, okay, let's really examine these accounts and who's behind them as best we can suss it out. Uh, the reality is most of us just don't have that kind of time and, and we're trying to make sense of what's in front of us. And it, it is kind of interesting to see what it, at least what I've experienced this cycle. So earlier this year, we had the special election in uh, the 8th District uh, for the Trent Frank seat. Um, during the Democratic primary in particular, uh, candidate Brianna Westbrook uh, really kind of tapped into this LGBT uh, community that really went after me on multiple occasions and um, just sort of 
trying to echo certain talking points or uh, slights that uh, that Ms. Westbrook uh, saw in my coverage. It was something that my guess is most of that was probably legitimate sentiment. And look, I looked at kind of who these accounts were to some small extent from time to time, but these were by the hundreds coming in. Um, and compare that to, say, Kelly Ward, where it feels a little more likely that it is not uh, authentic. That has been the sleuth work of at least one Twitter account that is sort of uh, dissecting these more closely. But it really is just a gut check for me, what feels more legit and and what it doesn't. But I can't say with any you know authority that I know these ones are real or not. Yeah, and some of it is just, the, it is that amplification aspect. I mean, our Twitter feeds, all four of our Twitter feeds would look different from each other's. And also from the average person. I mean, we we follow people on Twitter because we need to follow them for our jobs. Most people's Twitter feed reflects their interests, what they want to know about. And I think there is an echo chamber effect where if it's tweeted, retweeted, commented on again, it, mu- it would feel like this is a big topic that everybody is talking about. And we see it with legitimate tweets. Uh, if there's a clean energy tweet, something about it, there's going to be two or three political types who will amplify that message and send it out again. Earlier this month, there was criticism of David Garcia leaving Phoenix to go to a Netroots conf- uh, conference in New Orleans. Well, tweets about that get amplified by Republican uh, types, some of them who work for Governor Ducey uh, or his campaign. And it, again, feels like a bigger, momentous deal if that's all you're seeing in your Twitter feed is five or six repeats of that criticism. Pivoting back to the more detrimental effects that, that this kind of activity can have on elections, that's what foreigners are trying to capitalize on. There was a really riveting um, White House briefing on uh, the potential for meddling. And that, I think, offered for the first time, at least this cycle, in really stark terms, the potential for legitimate harm um, heading into this cycle. When you talk about election security um, and the integrity of the ballots, I mean, clearly that is something that I think, you know, most people can rally around and and feels uh, pretty alarming. When we talk about social media and the influence of that, that feels a little more subjective. If you're not on social media, how much are you really going to be exposed to that? And you probably not only know that you're not affected by it, but you probably think most other people aren't affected by it because you don't even care about it. Um, so I, I think that the social media effect is still, the jury's still out on this. And looking at the ads that we saw in 2016 from the Russians, uh, this is information that the U.S. security uh, intelligence community has evaluated as being from these Russian uh, troll farms. Um, Looking at them, it really is kind of uh, a puzzle what to make of them. I don't know that anybody's vote would have been changed by it, but um, it came from some pretty able hands who think that it was worth doing. So... Well, what I think is so stressful about it is that you're basically saying, okay, if if you see a message every single day, maybe it will slowly over time change the way you think. I mean, that's the principle of advertising that we've had for decades. So, and, and I think what's really scary to most people is that you don't even have to like or follow any of these pages or accounts. Like, it, they can just show up because other people did. The other, I think, really important point is this is coming at a time when Ru- Russia, President Donald Trump, 
um, other candidates here in Arizona um, and beyond are really trying to sell doubt mm-hmm. about the authenticity of the information that readers are um, reading in legitimate news organizations like the Arizona Republic, USA Today, you know, any local news station. I mean, they are actually throwing into question legitimate information, and that clearly is having an effect. And that fragmentation, I think, is is really what has led to what what we're seeing now on social media. And it makes, pe- it makes people feel if they can't find facts anywhere, well, throw your hands up, it's frustration. Mm-hmm. I won't believe anything that I newly consume. I won't take in any new information, which probably just means I'll either retreat out of the game or just hold on to whatever beliefs I have and not seek out new information. You know, and I will just throw this out there looking forward that um, these elections are expected to be fairly dramatic in terms of their effect. And we could see Democrats, for example, retake the House of Representatives, maybe even the Senate if things go really well for Democrats. Um, the, the public reaction to these kinds of races on either side right now, I think, is is something to watch for, given the amount of mixed messaging that we're getting from the White House um, in terms of how real and uh, serious this threat really is. Uh, If the elections turn out differently than what people might have expected, will those results even be received as legitimate? And where does that take us uh, at this point? Because it really has been a case of uh, mixed messaging at a minimum from the White House. We also don't know, or I don't know, uh, if there's been research on demographics or age. Like, obviously, younger people would tend to be on social media more, but you look at QAnon, which is this conspiracy group that formed out of social media, uh, it's not young people. It's a lot of, you know, older, uh, you know, or middle-aged people. Uh, you know, Kurt Schilling was one of the, you know, one of the adherents of it. So it's it's not like this is, it seems like it's striking across uh, across a lot of age groups, and people are believing conspiracies or tending to believe uh, disinformation campaigns, or at least following along. So do your homework, folks, and if you see something suspicious during this election cycle, feel free to reach out to any one of us. Thank you so much for listening to the Gaggle podcast. You can find me on Twitter at Yvonne Winget. At Relis Writings, R-U-E-L-A-S Writings, um, and I'll probably have a bot or two by now. <laughs> you can find me at Kayla White. My name is spelled K-A-I-L-A, and then White. And you can follow me at Ronald J. Hansen, and that's H-A-N-S-E-N. Thanks to the politics team and also our new producer, Lauren Aguirre. Programming note, we're going to start posting each episode on Monday so you can start your week up to date on the state's top political news and get a sense of uh, the hot issues affecting this year's elections. Please subscribe to the show and review it on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Stitcher, or Google Play. See you next week.